Hey, Pastor Freddie T here. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, today, Jonathan and I have a great time as we recorded this in an afternoon, so we were both a little looser. Uh, we're so thankful you listened to the podcast. It's our prayer that you laugh a little, you're built up in your faith, and, uh, and something that we might say in our conversation helps you walk a little more closely with Jesus. We're praying for you. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, JV? Good afternoon, Freddie. Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon. Not Over the here in the Vinton Law Sauna. I mean, law office. <laughs> Freddie's so hot. I mean, it's hot in here. It, it gets a little warm with the uh, the espresso. We should call it the Ruach. You said your vent's closed. Well, one of three. Yeah. Still, we still have two other blowing, so it yeah. should be fine. I even yeah. got the door cracked today. <laughs> so maybe we may hear noises, but at least it'd be cooler. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Freddie. How are you? Good. Good. It's a great Sunday. It was a great Sunday. It was a great Sunday. How was your weekend? Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. What? Weekend was great. You said, oh, Sunday, wow. Sunday was great. You said, oh, wow. How was your weekend? Sunday was what'd great. You, what'd you guys do this weekend? Oh, we just kind of milled around the house a little bit. I know a little bit of what you did this weekend, <laughs> but I haven't got to talk to you about it. I'd really rather not talk about it. No. Let's, so get, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. At the at the new year, you set two goals. I did. What were your goals in the new year? Uh, learn how to play the piano and learn how to shoot a pistol. Yeah. That's I love the extreme versions of that. That's right. Are you trying to learn how to play the piano while you shoot the pistol? <laughs> so the way it sounded Saturday afternoon, it sounded just like that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so the pistol's going well. Um, Patrick Pierce has helped me do that a little you bit. You bought your first gun. Did? Haven't yep. shot it yet. I you shot, you shot, haven't shot it yet? I thought shot you went Pat's to guns, and then I bought a gun, and then I still haven't shot it. I thought you took your gun to the gun well, range. Patrick. Patrick Pierce. You shot, shot his, his guns, guns and then to I bought see one. what kind of gun yes, you wanted. That's right. Okay. And I was really phenomenal at that. I, hit, I think I, I made, hit the target twice. I don't know <laughs> if we've talked about this on the podcast or not before, but when I went out to pastor, I know you've probably heard this, but when I went out to pastor in Scottsdale, everybody in, everybody in Arizona has a gun and a pool, right? Yeah. And uh, they don't necessarily go together, but yeah, go ahead. Well, anyways. You know, all they knew, they, they didn't really know as much that I was from originally from Tennessee, but they knew that I had been in New York City. Yeah. So here's all these Wild West folks out in Scottsdale, and, and they're like, what? The, the pastor you're bringing to us is from New York City? So literally in the interview process, they took me to an indoor gun range. Did they ask you, do you know how to shoot a gun? I, no, I mean, I think we kind of talked about it loosely. I mean, they probably asked. I don't know that you can ask that question. I don't know. I, you, I'm no, kidding, there's I'm a kidding. lot of questions you're not supposed <laughs> I know, to ask. I think that one right? you can't ask. <laughs> Anyways, they took me to an indoor gun range. I think just to test me out. You know, like did you the, shoot a gun? I'm pretty sure I shot a gun that day. Yes, but I was, I, I was. It was the first time I'd ever been in an indoor gun range. Yeah, I was in one for the first time with Patrick Pierce. Back I think in. I've told this story, but I got a Red Rider BB gun when I was like, I don't know, 11 years old or something. I went out and winged a winged a bird yeah, with it, and yeah, yeah. So I had to like go and stand over it and put it out of its misery. I shot it seven times before it quit quit making noises. Was this a bird? I shot the bird seven times oh, wow. before it quit making noises. Oh, and finally, when it quit making noises, I I put the gun under my bed, and never took it out. Well, you know the robin. You know we talk about the robin. No, those are falling. Is it the still there? After I mentioned it last week, you went out, and I haven't seen it since. Oh, Maybe really? Did you have your BB gun then? No, I did not shoot your Robin. But, hey, have you noticed the Cardinal in the window? Yes, every it, week for the last three months. It's pretty awesome, I think. When you're talking about worship and you know dancing, I'm like, yeah, just the follow, Cardinals the, follow the bird. Follow if you don't know bird. what we're talking about, at the City Forum in the Madison Room, in the furthest window, there's a Cardinal just going nuts like he's trying to get in the room. Or like she's trying to get in the room. I, I would know. think that he's, the, the Cardinals do it just on Sundays, but I have maybe doing it all the time. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's the question. It's <laughs> like if you went over there today, is the Cardinal still hopping around? I like to think that it's just on Sunday morning. I would think it would have to, to be there. just on Sunday morning. So, um, 
so your your goal was to learn how to shoot a gun and play the piano. So you've been practicing. I do. Who's giving you lessons? Claire Susong. She has the name of her piano studio. It's on Exit One. I think it's called Exit One Piano. So studio. Claire's been giving you lessons, and she you is. had your recital. So it really wasn't my recital. So I t- she had Claire had her recital. Oh yeah, Claire. And, and, and another you're gentleman. one of her pupils. I was, but I didn't have her side. I merely played with Nella. So Max your, had your to play two songs. Nella. That's right. Max played two songs. Nella played two songs. Aww. She offered. I didn't, know, I didn't know Max and Nella were both playing. I, Sunday afternoons. Yeah. 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 We, we have piano lessons every Sunday All afternoon. All of you. Yep. And so she asked Max, do you want your daddy to do duet? And he said, no. And so she asked Shake Nella. Shake it off. Didn't, didn't hurt my feelings at all. And Nella said, yes. I said, are you sure? Because I don't know if Daddy really wants to do it. And so I ended up doing it. So I didn't play my own song. You, let's go on record. Let's go on record. You would not tell me where your recital was going to be. That's that's correct. I I would have been there. I'm glad you were. I might have brought you a bouquet of flowers. I I, I probably would have been more nervous if, uh, well, it was a funny thing. So how many notes did you have to play? Well, wait, Friday night you called. Yeah. Yeah, you called, and Nella heard it. So she thought, you said, I'm coming, I'm bringing the whole church. That's what you said. And literally, she was nervous on Saturday morning. Oh, poor thing. (laughs) She said, well, I think the whole church is coming. I was like, I don't think. Freddie does not know where we are, and the whole church is not coming. Unfortunately, Nella, your dad. (laughs) Did not want me to come and cheer you on at your recital, you and Max. So she did. Because he was worried about what we would think. So how many notes did you have to play? Okay, so the story is, so she played a whole song, and then she played a whole another song. Okay. Listen, I'm the dad. She picking it up pretty good? Oh, yeah, I'm the dad. Yeah. So she just yeah. did. She knocked it out. Phenomenal. So we were having this at the Madison Street Methodist Church. Yeah. We do it in the chapel. Yeah. It's very small, intimate. Beautiful. It's very, very nice. Yeah. Until 30 minutes before and said the air conditioner wasn't working. Uh, so we're going into that beautiful, beautiful, it what do you call it? A church, it? I guess, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this it's like big, a, huge it's grand piano. like yeah. Oh, and it just resonates with that. I was like, oh, the sweat came on. So it made you more nervous being in the bigger room. So we, so she always says, anybody want to practice? So I'll cut this short. I'm not going to prolong the story, but so we went up there practice, man, beautiful. So we get there and all of like (laughs) 26 people are there. It's not like it's hundred people. It's 26. Because you wouldn't tell your pastor friend. We're fourth up, maybe fifth up. Nella does beautiful job on her two songs. And then I walk up there and it's like, literally it's like it's almost like twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's You're, all I'm really doing. Okay, all right. I mean, it's just like single notes. It's very simple. Yeah. We practice it 50, 60 times. At home? Yeah. yeah. And so I get up there. It's mm. I'm probably pay, playing 24 notes, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I did a great job. Literally, it's ding, 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 ding. I mean, simple. And then I get to the last seven notes. It's where you really get charged Biblical up. Biblical number of perfection, seven. And I don't know, it may have been nine. And literally, I, I missed the first key. Mm. And immediately I got nervous. And I'm like, and it's just step. So you go step down. Anybody knows piano? You're just doing steps. So when you miss the first key and you're not looking at your keys, you, you're going to miss every one of them. And I missed every one of the last few seven keys. And literally Nella, without looking, is playing her piece and looking at me with complete disgust. Like, what are you doing, Dad? Oh, wow. oh I was... So deflated. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Oh, were so you were you like apologetic to Nella? No, they were what? both because you know. So so this is how I treat my kids with recitals. Okay. Because they've done plenty. Yeah. Okay. I say, listen, you practiced. Yes. You you have done your you're you have doing your best. You're you're gonna do your best. Yes. And that's all Daddy wants from you. That's right. I, I, listen, you can't do any more than your best. You yes. can practice more and be better. Yes. But if you practice, you can do your best. And I, and so I said, whether you miss all the notes or we get all the notes right, do your best at the moment when you're doing yeah. it. So, Jonathan, this works with piano, <laughs> but it it doesn't work with shooting your gun. So, <laughs> so right, anyway, right. so you they're both sitting you there. You can't miss. <laughs> And shooting your gun. They said, they said, when I get back to the pew, we're sitting in front row, and they literally said, it's okay, Daddy. It's okay, Daddy. You did your best. <laughs> that's and I'm fantastic. like, I missed a third of the notes. Oh, I no, didn't that's so That was good. awful. I was like, oh, just, just shut up, kids. Well, uh, my heart genuinely hurts. I'm, I'm sweating. It it is, this room is my, my heart genuinely uh-huh. hurts. That oh, shut you, up. No, 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 no. That I'm is serious. not true. 
I'm, a, I, I'm you're a smiling when you're saying it. I'm a, do you want me to cry? Yes. I'm as off, I'm as as genuine as I can be. I'm sorry it didn't go because you were you were genuinely see part of the trouble, Jonathan, is I have trouble sometimes knowing whether or not you're being serious or being funny. I'm not. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm learning better, a lot better. I used to not get it at all, but I'm learning better. Okay, no, when he sounds over the top, he's actually serious. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so you, as you were expressing already to me how terrible of an experience it was hitting the wrong notes, you were expressing it. I literally in, in great. I literally turned around passion. to the audience that nobody, you know, it's piano. It's kind of like a funeral. Nobody says anything. You just go up there and play. Yeah. You go sit down. Yeah. You go up there and play. Yeah. Sit down. And I literally turned to the audience and said, I'm so nervous. I'm so sorry. You, I think I just said, I'm very nervous. Are you serious? <laughs> when you when you <laughs> hit the wrong one? After it's all over. Yeah. It was the last time. I'm like, I'm very nervous. <laughs> was, I think, Jonathan, we've got to move on. This is just I like. Think that takes a lot of, <laughs> I think that takes a lot of courage. I, I think it takes a lot of courage. You've actually preached on Joshua chapter one at real life. Have you not? Do your faith follow. Yes. Yes. Do your faith follow. I think, I think what you did took a lot of courage. Yeah, thank you, Freddie. And I think turning around and saying I'm nervous took a lot of courage. Rachel's videoed it. I've deleted it. I what think. did you guys do after the recital? I cried. No, I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I just like. Did you guys we, go eat? Did you we just go home? Like, no, we just. Went it's home. not that kind of a recital thing. No, no, we yeah, just okay. went home. It was okay. Well, you know, Lily, my daughter's been taking voice lessons. I did not know that. And uh, and so she had her recital the weekend before last. Okay. And um, how did that go? It was amazing. Oh, great. It was amazing. It was so, it was her first time to sing in public. And um, and she's a newbie, you know? And, uh, oh, it, it was, it was just, it was so, it was so wonderful. I just wish she had done that with a, with a duet with her dad. Well, John, here's the, so here's the funny thing. Lily was not, ex- she wanted to take voice lessons, but I think when she signed up, she didn't know that there was a recital. Mm-hmm. So she was pretty frustrated that there was a recital when she, you know, and of course we were encouraging her, you know, and all this stuff. And well, when I was probably about her age, I sang a solo at church <laughs> and my song had one note. Every word I sang was on the same note. John and his dad have always been so different. They never see eye to eye, but John believes a faith that keeps on growing will make a difference in time. Well, that's very good, so, Freddie. You're very, you have a good voice. Yeah, it hit the same note every time. Well, almost. You did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah. You brutal, went down a little right? bit. It's, yeah, you went down a little bit. It's about, as, Check it off. it's about as good as your piano playing. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, so, so, so as, so as, so as I've been trying to encourage Lily. I just I would just sing that song at home that I just sang to you that I would like John and his dad like that was the song I sang when I was in middle school and um anyways well, that is why I took piano yeah. I wanted to encourage my kids oh really that's the only reason I took it really yeah to encourage them yeah I thought you were having a midlife crisis no <laughs> I was doing it to encourage them yeah oh I forgot your past midlife oh wow. I'm sorry man the afternoons. Yeah, I'm just like looser in the afternoon. Okay, so we have to move on now from 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 my recital. Um, well, so Sunday mm. I got to do something I have never done. What before. did you do Sunday? So at real life, <clears throat> if you have not uh, been to a day where there's communion, we have two types of communion. Yeah, we have one down front. Yeah. there's there's bread and there's the juice. Yeah, and in the back there's bread and juice, but it's in a little plastic container. I don't know about this week. It looked a yeah. little different. So we have been asked to serve during communion but we get the wafer paper in the back okay uh it used to be gluten-free apparently not anymore for right right i got it. a head shake no when i, yeah, was, I saw yep, terry yeah, do that yeah, terry, yeah. terry terry griffin debbie griffin do a great job by the way organizing absolutely that. and so they asked us to go down front and hold the bread and the juice cup yeah and after the piano recital the night before or the day before i was completely wrecked I'm like I, I can't even hold this bread. I much can't play 22 notes. I can't play. I can't. Even what were you bread. nervous about? It I don't know. I'm just, just a nervous kid. I guess Martin Luther used to get terrified serving the Lord's Supper. Oh, so I'm. Um, you know, it's holding this loaf bread. It's got a napkin around. So I'm holding the napkin. Yeah. These yeah. people, if you haven't gone to it, they come and they take their hand. They they pinch a piece off and they right. dunk it in the cup. I continue to be amazed at how many people choose that option over 
the portable. I just thought in a, like a post-COVID world, everybody'd be going to get the portable. They I wouldn't want to be like... I always go get the portable. I would yeah. never do that. Really? <laughs> never. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. I mean, technically, they're not touching because they're pulling what they're pulling. So it's really no... Yeah, well, except when people go in with their two no, hands. No, no. I got know, it. Like, like they, it's like they hold the loaf, you know, because yeah, anyways. Yeah. So, but you got to serve the Lord's Supper. So I got to look... I don't know how many people die. Yeah. Listen, no, no. I got to look tens of tens of tens of people in the eye yes. and say... This is his body broken for you. And it was even better when I knew them or they're crazy enough to have their name tag on because they were serving. And I would have to, I would get to say, Freddie, this is his oh, body that's great, broken man. for you. I was in tears. I know. I could see like well, a I'm crawl amazed, time. I'm amazed that you were able to like read their name that quickly. And then yeah, as they walked up, I could see it. Oh, if I knew fantastic. Them. And so it was Freddie. I'm not, I'm not going to hit you. It was really a phenomenal yeah experience to get to do yeah, that so if yeah. you have not done communion at real life you need to do it it's just a really great experience yeah that, that was you, my mean, you mean serve it if you've not served, served it. or yeah. yeah if you don't participate if you're not coming on communion days yeah anyway. that's so cool man glad you had that it's exciting to be on the podcast today all right we're going to go talk about bartimaeus a man that was visually impaired to blindness uh but anything before we take a break Anything you want to close out on? No, we'll come right back. All right, sounds good. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? You know, ministry takes money. And when you give, God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in his work, in his ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. All right, we're back. So, Fred, uh, I asked you Friday what your text was going to be, yeah. and you said it's going to be Luke, whatever it was. Yeah, Luke 18, yeah. 35 she said, to heals 43. a blind beggar. And so I woke up Saturday morning, as I usually try to do, and I pull up the Scripture, and I start researching it. And the first thing I do is just read the Scripture. So we've talked about this on this podcast plenty of times. You just read the Scripture for what it actually says. Don't try to make it something it's not. Just read it in context. And so I read this, and I'm like, where's Fred going to go with this? You know, I'm not saying the story is not impactful, but if you just finished what you read right before this story about, I don't know, the rich ruler. It's kind of how I felt when I read it. Well, I know. (laughs) And then you hear talking about Jesus foretelling his death, and we talked Mm -hmm. about that during Easter or Passover, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you get right before Jesus and Zacchaeus, which is the next story. Yes, it is. You get this, like, story about Jesus, I think, leaving Jericho or going into Jericho, uh, drawing drew near to Jericho, and there's this man that was visually impaired, blind, and uh, Jesus heals him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to Sunday to see what Freddie's got to say about this. Yeah. But I did do some research. So. Bro, I love your hunger for God's Word. Yeah, no, and I just, I just always like to see where I would go with it, see how you did it. And so I told you Sunday... It was so funny because I was, I usually try not to talk to you on Sundays afterwards because I know you're really engaged. You can talk to me afterwards. I know, but Sundays. you're very engaged with people because you want you're to. You're a person. Well, I know what I'm, yeah, I got it. <laughs> and so, but I wanted to make sure I found you to tell you that I was just so moved yeah. by the sermon on Sunday. And yeah. I don't, I mean, I know why, but you really did a spectacular job humanizing the story. Yeah. Which is, I think, so many times, listen to a podcast yesterday, we want to dice these, these scriptures up into words, and like that was my thing last week about podcasts, knowing about words and letters, and you cut me off. Uh, but this week, sometimes we miss out on the humanization of the story about a real man who was really visually impaired, who what was you, homeless. What do you mean, the humanization of the so story? So we don't just make this person a story. We make this person a human being that was struggling. Yeah, I was, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was at coffee the other day with a couple, and she, she used to teach the Bible to kids, and 
she said she stopped using the word story to describe something like this, and she began to use the word event because she didn't want kids to think, like, hear story and think that it was... A, vic- a fiction story like they read every day, all day at right, school. Right, That's right. So this event. But what do you mean humanize? What do you what do you mean by that? So I think you did a... So I, I listened to a preacher down in Texas in California, Chuck Swindoll, Insight for a Living, and I think he's one of the best at bringing the story, bringing the event to life. That okay. you, He really gets okay. in contextually, socially... What is this person? Who is this person? You know, we talked about the chosen. It's an app. Um, it's it's just a, a visual drama of the events of the gospels, and I think it really does a really great job of just seeing the people and their personalities and their struggles and their things. They were they were had maladies and sicknesses and all that. Yeah. And um, I just think you did a great job yeah. giving a great and you start off with a great story, but giving us the understanding of this. Let's stand in the shoes. If he had shoes, he probably didn't. But stand in the feet of Bartimaeus. Yeah. Entering the into the man. story. That's right. Entering into it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's that was my big, big takeaway. And I guess by the end of it, I was just completely moved, especially how you ended right before communion with the big question for me, and I'll jump into that after a while, is when Jesus looks at Bartimaeus, who can't see, and you know, he's yelling, yelling. He's like, what do you want me to do for you? It's not the first time he's ever asked that, but it's such a wonderful, poignant question. What do you want to, what do you want me to do for you? And you, you sent that right before communion. You, you challenged the people. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And so yeah. I was in tears. I have to say I was, uh, I was in tears. Uh, it was a really moving, moving moment. Thanks, for me. man. Thanks, man. The lights are flickering. Lights are just here. flickering like crazy. I hope, I hope the uh, audio in the podcast doesn't go out. No, it's just the light bulb. Um, no, I appreciate that. You know, I've got a pa- pastor friend in Arizona, Eric Stevens, and he's extraordinarily gifted at preaching narrative texts and preaching through the Gospels, um, and um, in, in particular preaching in these these events in Jesus' life and um, I'm encouraged because I'm I'm getting better at it, but I used to be terrible at um, entering entering into the story. I'm so logical that I love Paul's letters because he's right. He's building an argument. Correct. So I love preaching Paul's letters because it's just like man, you can trace the logical development of his argument, and um, you know the it. I think preaching a gospel takes a lot more uh, art and discernment and craft than it does for me, like with the preaching the letters. But, um, you know, we've talked about that in here before. Uh, I, I told you, I, I think I'd about rather teach anything than the gospels, which is so funny because it's the core of what Jesus got right. the opportunity to actually right. say to us. Right. But because it, it is, it is, a, it is an art to teach yeah. the gospels, yeah. as opposed to taking some Old Testament scripture of, you know, the truth of what it is, but the foreshadowing what's going to be, and yeah. you know, how Jesus is going to culminate in that, and you know how Paul's kind of on the backside of that. This is what Jesus did, and this is what the scripture said. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really have these these real life stories, and and that's kind of what hit me. I think you did when I was reading it Saturday morning and Sunday morning. I'm like, you know, I I, I know where my mind is, but I just don't know how. I was ready to get up there and preach, by the way. If you got sick, I was ready to go. But um, I, I don't know that I would have done it that way, and I think it was really great. Well, what struck you most? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit already. Um, what struck me most, I talked to Rachel about this Sunday night, um, is as you were going through the story, it was so good, Freddie, as you were going through, I should say event, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it makes me think differently than I think. And as you were slowly going through the story. It, it was just, I, I saw the man, the beggar. Um, as we talk about, Mark has, you know, he's got a cloak on and all that to cover himself up. But how every day he had to beg to eat. He had to beg for just enough to get by so that he could come out the next day and beg again and beg again. And I know it's like similar to like, well, I have to get up to work and I have to go to work. But there is something in that when you get to go work because you feel like you're doing something. This poor man who could not see 
had to beg every day just to eat. And can you imagine the sneers and the jeers and the rebukes? You even said, you know, probably got a lot of eye rolling, even though he couldn't see that, but he probably felt it even. Um, and the huffs and the puffs and the sighs. And, uh, and I'm not going to hit this real hard, but when he heard what the commotion was about, that he heard that Jesus was coming by, he became undone. This was his day, and he seized the moment. Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah, Messiah has finally come, and I'm not going to lose the opportunity because he's here. And he comes undone and will do anything, including facing rebuke from the people. If it was me, I don't know what I would have done. The people would have rebuked me. I would have been like, oh, maybe I shouldn't because I don't want to bother him or, gosh, I don't want people to look bad. He did not care because the Messiah was there and he was going to see him if he, if anything he could do. Mm. And in that moment, in that moment is the question when Jesus calls him to himself and he says, you know, he didn't say Bartimaeus, what do you want, what do you want me to do for you? And I think everybody that ever read that should go, well, duh, I want my sight. And he says, I want to recover my sight. And Jesus says, you've recovered your sight. Your faith has made you well. I mean, just like that. And I think it just hit me Sunday night when I was, uh, I was thinking through it all. You know, I'm on this kick. I call it a kick. But right now, as I'm getting ready for my teaching study on, Shab- on Sabbath or the Shabbat, you're teaching a summer study at Real Life what night? Wednesday nights, 5.30 to 6.30. Great. Uh-huh, at Polly and Cliff Field's yep, house. Yep. You can um, text MISSION to 97,000 right now. Yep, please commit. Sign up for Jonathan's well, Bible study. If somebody can come to two or three of them, but can't fine. come to all of it. Fine, that's good. You'll get they something can out come. Okay. And so, you know, as, as I've talked. Does it cost it, anything? Not a thing, okay, other great. than a smile occasionally. Okay, okay. Uh, Is that we want to control our lives, our destiny, we want to control it, and we choose not to trust that Jesus, we talked about this last week, Jesus is the sovereign, and he has got before us what he wants. And this man who suffered from blindness seized the moment. The Messiah was here, and he was going to do whatever he could to get in front of Jesus because he knew if he just could get in front of Jesus, that Jesus would listen, and he did. And I think it just has great implication of how we sometimes, I know some of us don't, but we sometimes choose not to want to ask, maybe because of pride, or maybe just because we don't know that Jesus is really going to do anything. And I think this is a great story for me, is that every day we struggle, every day we struggle, whether that's a sickness or whether that's you know some disease or whether that's just whatever it is, depression, we've talked about anxiety. If you would just stop, and most importantly, in faith, come undone, get before your Creator who loves you, and ask Him. Hmm. This is what I want, God. Whether it happens or not, that's fine. But you see the answer. He got He got His sight. So what I'm hearing you say is you were struck by the fact that this man actually cried out to Jesus, and you're inspired to do the same. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Oh yeah. I mean, is that is that how it landed on well, you? Well, I mean, what? I think I think the big I think the big land for me was. That this man no longer, I didn't, I don't know, I even applied it to myself. I guess I did a little bit. Okay, then but I'm, for this, I'm misunderstanding. No, no, but for what this man did, when he knew the Messiah, when he knew Jesus was there, yeah. that no longer would he have to beg another day. Yeah. That God had put him where he wanted to be, which was recovering his sight yeah. so that he could uh, live his life like he probably wanted to all those years. Yeah, amazing to think about how radically different his life was going to be in that moment. So, you know, so as you, so as you peer into this man's experience with Jesus, yep. what's your, what's your personal takeaway? You're, so, you're moved by it. You're, you're struck by it. You're, something is impressed on your heart by it. What's your, what's your personal takeaway from it? What's, how is it speaking to you? How was, so my personal takeaway is what I was it's where I am right now in my head. Yes. I want to control. Okay. I want to fret. Okay. I want to worry. Okay. DJ Daniel Cox opened us up in prayer. Yes. And do you know what his first thing he said? What can we do to control tomorrow? Right. We can do nothing. Right. And I think today in business, yeah, yeah, yeah. Family, finances, yeah. Life, um, real life. 
just want to control it all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I just don't want to bring that to Jesus. I don't want to bring those concerns, those issues okay. to Jesus to okay. say, yeah. I want you to take care of it because well, I don't know that I can trust that. So this, so this blind man, are you saying like the, what he like overcame and the way that he brought it to Jesus, like inspires you yeah. to take all these things to Jesus? Is yeah, that what I'm hearing I think so. Yeah. And just to trust yeah. that when you have the opportunity and which we do every day, when you have the opportunity to come go, come before your Messiah, come before the Messiah, or come before the Creator, Jesus. Yeah, that we have to know that one, He cares for us, and one that He knows what we need. Right, but He wants us to ask. Yeah, He wants us to recognize that and even verbalize it many times. And I'm yet, so encouraged to hear you share this. It's I mean, it's really kind of causing me to think. I love that. Yeah. All right, so Freddie, I want to know what really impacted you. You got to study this a lot. I know you read some commentaries. <laughs> There's, I think, three. Synop- all the synop- synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think kind of give this story, but at least Mark and Luke do. Uh, and I know you probably read them all and you had a lot of commentary, so you got a lot more study. I felt l- uh, less prepared for this particular sermon than the vast majority of the sermons. You told me that. Preached. You told yeah. me that already, and, I, and I, I think, yeah, we've overcome that a little bit. But you got to study this a lot, so you got to see a lot yeah. of aspects. There's a lot to this story. Yeah. Event, yes. event. I go quit saying story. Sorry. Well, yeah, event. Say, say story. So, what impacted you? Well, I was most personally impacted by um, seeing the crowd's rebuke of the man and seeing him overcome it, uh, and it caused me to. I, I specifically reflected on uh, where my kids are, namely my oldest three kids right now, Jack, Lily, and Elliot. They're teenagers. And, I mean, this is kind of the world they live in, right? A, a, a middle schooler and young high schooler's life is totally focused around their friends. I mean, that is I mean, that is the most important thing to the average middle schooler is their friendships. And um, who are my friends and what do they think? And do they like me today? And did they hurt me today? And are they better friends with them? I mean, it's just like, you know... And so there's like a constant dialogue in the heads of most middle schoolers trying to navigate uh, both that fundamental identity question of who am I uh, and who are my friends. And, and, and so, I mean, the turmoil, you know, the potential turmoil, the potential turmoil in a middle schooler's head of who am I and who are my friends and the way those questions like pinball off of each other and dance with each other, um, you know, this is man, this is why it's so important to have our kids in church and to be discipling our kids. And okay, so let me let me let me, let me lean into this. So I want to dig down into this because we. Well, I'm gonna get there. Okay, I just I want to make sure that because I would love to hear some great points about what we as parents can help with that. Yeah, well, I so I think you know, I think if you have your kids at church, then they get to hear preaching from God's word where you see a blind man overcoming the rebuke of the crowd, right? And so you you know, you're able they're able to hear another human voice and hopefully the voice of the Holy Spirit say to them that you know, that the the collective voice of the crowd is not always the wise voice. It's not always the way you need to go. And so I think, you know, I think for me personally, just as I was camping out on this text, I was, you know, I was really praying for my kids, you know, that, um, that they would not be enslaved to the, uh, the voice of the crowd in their life, you know, that they would be willing to go against the crowd if, if they, you know, if they need to. Um, so that's where, you know, that's where that hit, hit me first. Uh, there's certainly applications in my own life, but I mean, if you want to talk about parenting, parenting, we can. No, I want to talk about both. Cause I was going to say kids do go through this, but adults are doing the same thing. Sure, I mean, sure. social media, no right. matter, I know we right. all love right. to bash the social media, but we need to, to a certain extent, there's so much identity yeah. That people are trying to glean from other people's social media. Well, you just have to be really aware of what of of your participation in social media. You just have to be really, really aware of how it's impacting you. Um, you know, yeah, we've talked about that before, right? One of the Ten Commandments is, 
you know, don't yeah. en- don't envy, right? And and so, if social media is nudging you toward envying someone's vacation or someone's new dress or someone's new shoes or, you know, what you know, uh, I don't I don't think anybody thinks that social media is a realistic depiction of life. I think we all know and celebrate the fact that it's uh, our friends' highlight real real and I love celebrating my friends highlight reel and I'm not looking to it to try to find reality I'm not looking to social media to try to find like what's real I'm looking to social media to see what are my friends celebrating so I can celebrate with them the Bible says to rejoice with those who are rejoicing right so that's where social media is great you get to rejoice with those who are rejoicing every now and then somebody will put like what they're weeping about you know and you can like you know weep about with them but um, but if you're not careful, if you lose sight of the fact that social media is not like a real depiction, then you'll think my life stinks and everybody else's life is amazing. Well, that's not true. That's not true in, in any realm of life, you know, and, and, um, we are all living in a broken world with unfulfilled longings and unfulfilled expectations and, lots of things that like heartache upon heartache, you know? And, and, um, so I love social media and I love celebrating, you know, anyways. So yeah, we got to be careful with it, but you were, what was your question? Did you have a question? No, I just saying, I think adults, I mean, I think, you know, I have a fifth grader almost now to be a sixth grader and second going to third grade. And so that their kids, I mean, we, we start using the word bruh around our house now because you know there's a one of max's friend uses the word bruh uh and you know now everybody's saying bruh and bro i'm like can we just give it up and so it's just something as simple as that but i mean i think adults too i mean we all face this struggle yeah and so if you, if you want if you're asking me like what are the what are the three best habits i can do as a parent four or five best habits let me give you just a few handles yeah. all right uh um one, I would say approach parenting realistically. In in other words, none of us are going to be like the the perfect parent. We just want to move the needle a little further than where our parents brought us, right? We just we just want our kids to require a little less counseling than we need, right? <laughs> I mean, they're, seriously. I understand. So so like key like if you have a realistic expectation about what you're seeking to accomplish in your parenting, you know then. I think it'll go a lot better for you. So that's the first thing. You know, the other thing, the scripture's really clear. Don't neglect the gathering together with, you know, for worship, as some have a habit of doing. So even back in the New Testament days, uh, people had a habit of not gathering regularly for the worship. And, and our our souls are made for transcendence. And so we're made to know God, to be in a relationship with God, to hear the voice of God. And so... Um, so prioritize, commit to uh, going to gather for worship with the people of God. Um, uh, but then two other things that may not be like obvious. And, and the first one I would say is uh, read the scripture out loud in your home and pray out loud in your home. So when you, you know, when you read the scripture out loud, you're literally listening to the voice of God. So if you want God to speak inside your home, read the scripture out loud in your home. And you don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to teach an in-depth Bible study. You could just read the scripture. You could, you know, when you gather for dinner, just just take a paragraph, read it and say what jumped out to you guys, right? Um, uh you know, as busy as some people are, calendar this, right? They, like these are good intentions. These are good ideas, but know yourself well and don't just say, oh, that's a great idea. But then the other thing I would say is just like pray and ask for God's presence in your home. Um, let him know he's the welcome and honored guest in your home. And um, and then, the, but the, the last thing is, is to repent in front of your kids, um, confess your sins and repent in front of your kids um, and I think if you model that for them, then you're modeling for them that the gospel uh, is actually 
like functionally adequate. It's actually true. They get to see that the gospel actually works for mom and dad. In other words, they hear the gospel, right? They hear that God's grace is enough for us. They hear that Jesus died to forgive us, right? Like they, they hear that. But if you confess your sins and repent in front of your kids, out loud in front of them, then they're seeing in real time mommy and daddy depend on the grace of God. And then when they blow it down the road and they're, they find themselves in a place where they're, they're going to be tempted to, to go in a downward spiral of shame and really get into a dark place uh, where they hear the voice of the accuser and they cover themselves in shame and condemnation. Uh, if they've seen their mom and dad, depend upon the grace of Jesus, and if they've seen that the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of, of God, is strong enough for mom and dad, then on that day that they blow it, on their worst day, they've got this supply to draw upon. No, I've seen. I, not only have I heard the preacher say it, not only have I read it in the Bible, I've actually seen it at work in mom and dad's life. So I think that's one of the most powerful things parents can do is to confess your sins and to repent in front of your kids so that they can see God's grace really is sufficient. And see, mommy and daddy are having to depend upon it right now. And I think that goes so against the grain of what so many people grow up in in a Christian home. They think they think a Christian home has to be like pristine holiness and perfect like morality. And and certainly we want to be a, a peculiar people, right? We we the the whole goal of life is to be molded into the image of Jesus, um, but we're not going to get there until we're glorified. And so we need a rhythm. We need a daily and weekly rhythm of relying upon God's grace, um, trusting in the forgiveness of our sins that that God gives us through faith in Jesus. There's, well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. I did want to piggyback. I was at a school function this week. Heard a school administrator. Um, at a just, Christian school. At a Christian school. Yep. Yeah. So um, he's, and I don't know him very well, but he was just talking about, we're all going to make mistakes. He was talking to fifth graders going to sixth grade. And he said, we're all going to make mistakes. He says, what I really encourage um, is tell your kids if they make a mistake and they're going to confess it. Just be honest about it. Let's deal with it. And this does not fester there. Let's move on with life. And yeah. I think that's such a great thing. You said, one, they need to experience the parent doing that. But when they do mess up, let's just not like, this is the worst thing ever, unless it is. This is the worst thing ever. Let's let them confess it. Let them be open to confess. And then let's just move forward. Let's just not hold it over their heads for their whole life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I stumbled upon uh, just a little Instagram post by a pastor that I look to often and he posted like several paradigms of law-based uh, parenting or grace-based parenting. So uh, there's a there's a big difference, right? So with law-based parenting, rules are the priority. With grace-based parenting, relationship is the priority. So you you kind of think, okay, how do we how do we talk about things at our home? Is it about is it about the rules or is it about relationship? Law-based parenting, parents seek control. You were talking about control earlier. Grace-based parenting, parents seek influence. This one really struck me because I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. I uh, I underestimate the power of my words often, you know. And, uh, man, I so want to gently influence and not strongly control. So law-based parenting, parents seek control. Grace-based parenting, parents seek influence. Equipping and power. Law-based is good. Law-based parenting is motivated by fear. Grace-based parenting is motivated by faith. Law-based parenting, there's no distinction between sins and mistakes. You use that word mistake, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what made me think of this, is law-based parenting, there's no distinction between sin and mistake, right? A kid can make a mistake, but he needs to have a framework for understanding the difference between a mistake and a sin. Grace-based parenting distinguishes between sins and mistakes. Um, law-based parenting, parents add to God's laws. Grace-based parenting, God has laws and parents have rules. Right? We, have, we have rules. 
um, you know, you, you've got you've got a pool in your backyard. You probably have some rules, right, around the Do pool. Do not run. Right, around the pool. Right? God has laws. Parents have rules. That's grace-based parenting. Law-based parenting, pressure is on the kids to work for love. Grace-based is kids work from the love of parents. And uh, law-based, I work for God. Grace-based, God works for, in, and through me. I love that. There you go, man. So you said, uh, that's good, and I I don't know if you can show that link, but I'll let you figure that out because I would love to read that later. Um, Sure. I'll have to do this. We can link to that in the... If you don't mind, that would really be helpful. We can link to that in the... the, So you said that the rebuke of the crowd was very impactful. Was there something recently or in your past that you just like, I remember, I remember, and, and that was something that really impacted you? Well... Well, the idea of the crowd influencing the, the the crowd potentially negatively influencing the blind man. I think we've all been impacted by the crowd, you know, and we all face the temptation. Maybe not everybody, but many of us face the temptation to be wrongly and negatively influenced by the crowd. And so, as a as a pastor, you know, we we live in a day where it's like information overload, right? Um, and we've got to be really discerning about the volume of information we're taking in just in terms of like world events, national events, you know, all those things. And so it's like, it's like the, the internet makes everything local news. Right. And I don't like, I don't think God made us with the faculties to be able to process and absorb global news as local news. Like, I don't think God made us to know every crisis that's going on on the planet and process it with the same heartbeat that we would what's going on down the street. This is so, I'm sure you're not the first person that said that, but this is the first time I've ever heard that said. Okay. And, you know, I, and I guess I, I that's, I, you know, we talked about a little earlier today. I don't listen to the news. Because I can't take it all in. Yeah. And I feel guilty about that many times, Fred. Yeah. It's like, I don't listen to the news. I should. I should care about Ukraine. I should care about China. I should care about next door down the street. I can't I can't, I can't. can't put all that together. Right. That, I, I want you to make sure. Can you say it again? I don't know if you can. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I think we have to recognize that we live in a very unique time in history. And the previous generations did not have to grapple with, with the kinds of information overload. In other words, the previous generations did not have to practice the same level of discernment that we have to practice today to be able to discern what volume of information am I going to take in and then how am I going to think and feel about that information? Um, Because the way news outlets communicate, the way apps communicate, the way, like, Everything is vying for our attention and our affection and our allegiance. And money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But everything is is right, saying, care about me, and then right, give to me. Go on Twitter and speak about what you think about me, right? And so there's a lot of pressure, especially like from it's easy for a pastor as a public figure who whose calling is to shepherd people and to protect the flock from false teaching. It's, it can be overwhelming for a shepherd if he thinks that his flock is taking in this um, exaggerated volume of information about events that are going on. And they're trying to process, what do I think about this? How should I feel about this? How should I think Christianly about this? Um, and should I have feel shame if I can't participate in it? That's again? right. That's right. That's right. Right. And, you know, and then and then you've got to, you know, to complicate matters worse, you've got cancel culture. So it's like, what if I don't say something about this? And what if I say the wrong thing about this? You know, it's like, what friends am I going to lose? You know, like what family member is going to be angry at me? You know, it's like that whole. 
So it's a really challenging time to live, I think, and to be salt and light, to be a Christian in today's world. It's possible, but it just takes discernment, and that comes through an intimate relationship with God, a reliance upon the Holy Spirit, because He promises, He's given us the mind of Christ. The book of James, God promises to give us wisdom. So I'm, what I, I'm just saying, we want to live life in the black and white, and we want decisions to be easy. Well, the Christian life must be lived in the context of wisdom and discernment. But I think what you I think what I think what grabbed you is we're living in this day where the volume I, my 13-year-old son had an app on his phone the other day where he had his notifications turned on. And I said, "Buddy, we we need to fix these notifications." because you do not need your phone buzzing every time this sports team scores or, you know, uh, trades someone or, you know, whatever it was. I can't remember what app it was or even what yeah. child it was. But but I think, you know, that's coming in from everywhere. And, and so if we don't, if we don't consciously make choices and set boundaries and make decisions about – um, the, the volume of information we're going to consume, um, we will be absolutely frazzled to the core. We'll have no discernment. We'll have no moral compass. And we'll, and we'll feel the pressure to speak about things. So anyways, so for me as a pastor, that's the climate. That's the context in which like I'm living in and seeking a pastor. And, um, but like on platforms like, say, Twitter – or just even on Sunday morning, um, the crowd often has a desire to hear their pastor speak from a place of authority, from a place of morality, from a place of passion about everything, <laughs> you know, like about everything that they were faced with. That weekend on the news, everything. So, um, so I've just watched, um, I've watched undiscerning pastors try to keep up with um, giving like a a statement, a public statement about every major non-local event that they're facing, um, or that's coming through Twitter, or that's coming through the news stream. And in and as a as a result, it's just they're just they're just frazzled. They lose the pulse on what's local. Anyways, I say all that to say, um, we live in this instant world. So not only is the volume of information coming, there's pressure to say something quickly, to have an opinion about something quickly, before like all the information's actually gathered. Anyways. Um, so I say all that to say uh, there are weekly, sometimes daily events that take place on the state level, on the national level, uh, on the global level uh, that if if I focused on them and if I investigated them, I may have an opinion and I may have a biblically informed opinion about it. Uh, and I may, if I, if I thought our congregation is focusing on it, then I may, as a protector of the flock, I may have a passionate word that I would want to say about that particular thing. But Jonathan, several years ago, I just made a decision really out of my own feeling of limitation. I can't keep up. I can't keep up. Not only can I not keep up, I, sh- I don't need to try to keep up. Um, because the volume of information is more than any human being can try to keep up with. So that's where discernment comes in, is what do I need to care about? What do I need to focus on? Um, and that's where, that's where biblically informed priorities come in, right? And, and so, you know, if everything is important, nothing is important. And if you're passionate about every cause, you can't be passionate about any cause, Right. So I start with my family. I try to build out locally and then on bigger issues. So let me just give you an example. 
uh, a couple of days ago, there was a tragic shooting in Buffalo, New York, that was racially motivated. Uh, that seems to be very, very clear in evidence that's been found about an 18-year-old. And he plotted and was intentional and had all kinds of hate speech involved in what he was doing. And he killed 11 African-American people of various ages in a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. And this kind of racism makes my stomach sick. It breaks the heart of God. It should be condemned in every level. And um, there are, you know, violence is so great. Tragedy is so great. It's happening all over the place that um, that I could feel a pressure that anytime anything like that happens, that I should have like an official statement about it, you know that I either say on a Sunday morning that I recognize on a Sunday morning or that I say on social media or that, I, you know, and, and so it's interesting because this particular shooting really gripped my heart. Um, I was watching some of the news last night about it. I was, I was telling some of my kids about it. I was kind of debriefing with my kids about it. And um, I've kind of, you know, I, I think one of the negative things that I've done is, is the pendulum has swung I've not paid attention to a lot of the news. I've just turned it off altogether at times. You know, I've said I'm not, you know, it's almost like I've said I can't keep up, so I'm not going to keep up with any of it. Well, that's probably not the best thing for me to do as a pastor. Um, it's probably not the best thing. But, you know, but I would rather, I'd rather have my hand, my head halfway in the sand, you know, than to have it like in a hundred places it doesn't need to be, right? Um, so anyways, this particular instance has broken my heart and... You know, it, it 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 causes me personally to want to reach out to my African-American friends and brothers and sisters in Christ and weep with them because I know this impacts them in a different way. Uh, any minority in our country uh, who, you know, has, has felt the poison of racism, uh, it, it causes me to want to weep with them because it just brings up the, the, the pain, you know, for them. Um, uh, you know, but I, but I think... All of that to say, this particular issue, I haven't said anything on social media about it. I didn't say anything on Sunday morning about it. Um, I'm saying something to you about it mm-hmm. because uh, the question at hand, you know, of the crowd. So the crowd often will, you know, I, I feel an unspoken pressure as a pastor to always have an opinion about whatever is going on in the national news. And I feel an unspoken pressure sometimes, sometimes, I'm not a brave pastor. I'm not a bold pastor. I'm not a courageous pastor. If I'm not prophetically speaking to every issue that's coming through the news. And and I would just say there may be times that that might be true. There may be times that that might be, that might be true. Um, but probably more times than not, our people are um, consuming an unhealthy volume of information and um, and they probably just need to turn the news off a little more and get off Twitter a little more and open their Bibles a little more and have their neighbors over, you know, for dinner. Like that's, you know, to focus locally. And So, you know, I told you right before the podcast, you had mentioned the Buffalo story, and I, my response to was, you didn't, I, you didn't I, I heard it. it. And so, yeah, you I, didn't, I was... You didn't even know about it. Didn't have first clue. And yeah. uh, I was a news buff, and few years ago i mean everything political or global or really world. oh yeah i just love news 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 yeah. love news um and i listen to wnkj um still and they have salem radio network news every the last five minutes of every yeah. hour and that's where i would get my news and i haven't listened to that in a while yeah and so i i didn't even hear about the roe v wade thing until someone told me about the leaked opinion yeah, and wow. blah blah, blah. Yeah. and so you mentioned that and so yeah the pendulum as you said is not a rebuke at all but it is i've i have it is complete that's what i said earlier i felt shameful that i'm not in the middle of the news hearing everything dressing that with my kids that's just what why did you stop why did you go from being a news buff to no news just like over the top busy i just i've got my feel of life right now i just I don't have time. The to, demands of life. That's right. I just yeah. I listen. But you feel shameful for well, not. Well, no. I just like should I be more involved yeah, with the news? I got you. And, and I guess my point. Yeah. Uh, my point is, uh, and this is the point. I think I, was, I heard you say. And I've never heard somebody say. It, I'm sure somebody has. Is that listen? You can't put your head in the sand. 
But there are just as many, listen, just as many important crises that are in your neighborhood, that are in your part of the city, that are in your church, that are in your community, that are in your city. Listen, and the great thing about it is there's nothing wrong with giving to a global problem. I think it's a great thing. I don't think we should be protectionists maybe, you know. But listen, your impact on the homeless in this town, to, to segue what you talked about on Sunday, there's homeless in this town. I mean, real life students kind of did that a couple three weeks ago with, with yeah. some of the mission work. Right. Um, there are people that are around you every single day at your work that are in complete crisis, and all we want to talk about is what's going on in X Y Z. When we are looking past what we can truly impact, just like Jesus did for Bart- Bartimaeus, yeah. we can help them financially. We can help them. You know, find a doctor. We can help them find a place to live. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, maybe last week on the podcast. But we can help them lead them to a spiritual reality That's right. where they need to be. So to underscore, Fred, I'm glad you're not inundating me on Sunday morning with this is what happened in the news this week and this is what we should be doing. Um, so, so that's where we are. So I think... Uh, next segment and we'll close it up for the week every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life we believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story into a relationship with him so here's today's challenge text a friend right now stop what you're doing send them a message and invite them to join you at real life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at real life. So text that friend today. Hey, JV. Sorry about that. If that sounded (laughs) weird and abrupt, (laughs) I had a phone call that came in that I had to take. Yeah. I, I thought you said... I don't know if this is. I, so I, I have to say, I told you this on Sunday. Uh, that's a first. That's a first. I thought you said you had to go poo. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible. You, Daniel saw the same thing. That's terrible. I'm like, brother, I mean, you can't just stop <laughs> like in the middle. Literally, Freddie just stood up and walked out. I had a phone call. And I'm in the middle of a statement. I'm Listen. Thinking, I thought you said you had to go poop. And, every, uh, now, every now and then. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I, I hope that that last section was edifying. I uh, hope that there was, was some nuggets me. of wisdom. It was for me. Fred. Uh, you know, I we're on a growth journey and so thankful that the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. And uh, he, he his leadership is sufficient, you know. So so hopefully that just encourages folks to not feel the the pressure to be who the crowd is telling them they need to be that that's the takeaway for me personally jv is just that simply i need to be the pastor god is calling me to be not the pastor that the people or the culture is demanding that i am and uh, i won't always get that right but that's got to be the the bullseye that's got to be the goal and so that would be my, my encouragement to christians as well is you know don't don't be the christian that you perceive other people want you or think you need to be but Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and he won't fail us. So that's 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 my, I'm done, done. No, I, I told you. It's great, <laughs> re- really great, and I'm glad you um, you broke that down for JV, us. JV, what you got coming up this week? What are you doing, man? What is this week? Yeah, today's kids are Tuesday. Out of school. Yeah, kids are out of school. Yes, are you ready for this? Uh, well, it's whether I was right talking with-, with Susan the other day about this time of year. It always, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe you can help me with this. I don't love this time of year. You talk about summer? You're yawning. That's I'm sorry. Hilarious. That's hilarious. No, yeah, the graduation. Oh, oh, oh. this like, immediate yeah. part of the time of the year. Everybody's graduating. Everybody's having all these graduation parties. And I'm thinking, why would I not love this? It's like huge milestone for people everywhere. But I don't I don't know why. I I'm just saying, I like this time of year. Yeah, Here's yeah I think I should, right? No, because yeah. I went to, the kids was, they had their awards day. Yeah. Rachel got them out early. And yeah. so I just remember the excitement yeah. of your like last day of school. Yes. And so I'm kind of like living through them. 
And I came back from that at like 9.30 this morning. Right. And I looked at my new legal assistant, um, and I just said, I don't know how I'm going to work the rest of the day. Because as being a teacher in my yes. past, I'm like, this was it. I, I get like a day or two off at least before I did something else in the summer, and I'm like, I don't know. Right. So anyway, so I'm excited for the kids. I right? don't know what it is about me. I, you know, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's like it, with graduation, so many people move away. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And like, there's like a transition. Day. Yeah. It's like a sad, it's like parents are having to cut the kite strings and yeah. all that stuff. I don't know what it is. It, it's a little unnerving for me, you know? Well, kids are coming home. Rachel's leaving the office. As I say, I said bye to her today. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you in August. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of sad. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe as a pastor, I'm like, okay, everybody's about to start going on vacation. <laughs> are they going to come back in the fall? You know, maybe that's, maybe that's what and it I is. I just feel like I'm missing out at home. All the kids and of uh, the kids and Rachel are having a great time. And I'm Oh, during the summer? Sitting, you sitting, feel that way? Sitting yeah. At home wasting yeah. Time, yeah. But. Shake it off. It's all good. It's how it's, how it's supposed Love to Love you, be. man. All right. Uh, let's this, see. This this week, just real quick, uh, May the 22nd. I yeah, think. you guys hit the website, reallifesango.com, and you'll see about all the summer studies coming up. Um, we've got, Jonathan, we've got phenomenal student ministry and kids ministry okay. events coming up this summer. So bring all your neighbors, bring all your cousins, get your kids and uh, students connected this summer. I'm serious, man. It's uh, life-changing experiences and lifelong memories will be made this summer. So prioritize church in the life of your kids. Yeah, and uh, again, the uh, the summer studies, I'm kind of self-aggrandizing, but please commit. Commit, oh, yeah. commit now, even if you can That's show right. half the time, you might be surprised you make it show most of the time. You may find it very interesting. So text mission to 97,000. Pastor Timmy Nussbaumer started uh, Sunday. Sunday. So he's right. getting all trained up and uh, exciting time at real life. Yeah. All right. Anything else, brother? J- JV, it's been great, man. Keep it real, brother. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.